County. I am super duper excited to bring this episode to you. It is one that is very dear to my heart. We're in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. We're talking about black men and mental health wellness. And today we have my partner, his friend, and my son talking about their issues and just the circumstances that led them down their journey of mental health wellness. What brought them there? What got them to a place of seeking help? And what were some of the warning signs? So without further ado, I'll let each individual introduce themselves and then we'll get into the podcast. Secure, 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 secure. My name is Brett Crenshaw. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm here to share my story on these 47 years journey of trying to keep myself safe. Yeah, you're old, brother. <laughs> and I'm right behind you. My name is, uh, we'll go with official. My name is Kyle Smith. Family calls me Matt. Same as Brett. We've known each other for a long time. Here to discuss my, my 46 and three quarters years <laughs> uh, on this earth. To your your question, what I think is an interesting story of yeah. how to maintain yourself mm-hmm. once you find out that you have to maintain yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who are you? <laughs> Hi, my name is Gabe. Everybody that I know calls me Gabe. People at school call me Gabriel. Um, and I'm here to talk about my mental health issues as well. Aww. <laughs> so, I thank each of you. It's not easy to expose yourself in this manner, show this type of vulnerability. But I think with everything that um, is happening in our culture and our society as a whole, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. And I just am very appreciative and very honored that you guys are willing to talk about whatever you feel comfortable. Please don't feel obligated on any level. Let your heart lead you. I like what Kyle said about a journey that occurs, which we call life, mm-hmm. but then it gets to a point where you discover, oh, there's more to maintain than just living life, mm-hmm. right? There's a point in which the things that have impacted you, that have impacted you that you may not have discovered or didn't have the tools to really um, see them for what they were, you know, mm-hmm. life gets to, to that kind of point. It's undeniable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh... I have issues. Really talk about what mental, I want to hear from each of you, what does mental health wellness mean to you individually? Because it means something different to all of us, right? So I would love to hear that. Let's let's start, let's go this way. (laughs) What does mental health wellness mean for you and to you? I guess mental health means to me somebody who's very different from the average person. Mm. Somebody who just thinks about stuff differently, um, goes through different things. Their brain process a little slower than the average. Than the average, like not in a bad way, but in a like in a sense where like you're just stuck and mm-hmm. you just like don't know what's going on. Mm. That's that's an interesting seventeen year old perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting question. Maybe it's interesting the way that you ask it or the way that I hear it. Okay. Because when you say, what is mental health? What comes to mind is that you have the societal de- uh, definition mm-hmm. of what normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> dependent oh, by itself, <laughs> yeah. and then normal mental health is, 
right? It, but then you realize that health and mental is, is really a subjective thing to each individual. Like I've never thought of the question mm -hmm. in terms of something literally thinking out loud. I, I would say that for me, mental health is that space of finding balance between what it is that society or your community would consider normal and what it is that you feel is normal within you. Exactly. Mental health, put on the like I deal with anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, and I've dealt with anxiety for years before I knew that I was dealing with anxiety. And so even the word is always labeled as something, something that's an issue right. or something that's a disease. I'm not going to say something that's bad. I want, you know, or maybe something, or trivial. you know, or even something that's challenging, but I wouldn't consider it while it's a mental illness, I wouldn't consider it something wrong because it's a normal part mm -hmm. of who it is that I am. Mm -hmm. I think it's a normal part of most people in society, mm -hmm. even if they don't either know that it is or accept that it is or have a working definition to understand mm -hmm. what it is. That's um, one of the reasons why I asked you to yeah. kind of define that for yourself because I think it's it's easier to default to what society says that right. is mm -hmm. a, a, a rather than what, you, what your own definition is of that means for you, because that's really what it boils down to at right, the end right. of the day. Yeah, I, I think it's defined, for me, it, it's defined as my mental health are the things that significantly and critically impact my happiness. Mm -hmm. um, the the mm -hmm. emotional and psychological things that critically impact my happiness. Mm -hmm. I've come to realize that that's many things. Mm -hmm. You know, that's many things. In my experience with, with therapy, because I, I did arrive at a point where the way that I'm viewing myself does not make me feel good. It does not make me feel happy. I discovered that I thought it was one thing. And so, like, just to speak. <laughs> I love that. The paper roll opens up. And you're like, really? <laughs> So I thought, and that's I want y'all to talk about that because yeah. that's a whole mind blow, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, okay, so the initial thing, and this is probably the point of entry for a lot of people. You know, it's always our origin story. You know, mm -hmm. it's usually mom, dad, family structure, and how that impacted you. Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking to the, my therapist a few, few first sessions, and in the back of my mind, I was saying to myself. Oh man, does this mean we're going to talk about my low self-esteem? <laughs> because I didn't come here for that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm dealing with this one thing and it's, it's a whole bunch of things, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So when did you, and, and anybody can jump in here. When did you realize that there was something going on? that required something professional, something spiritual in terms of outside help. Like this is not something that can just happen because I'm having a conversation with my family. Mm. This is not going to be turned around because I'm having a conversation with a friend. I actually need to seek either some professional help or I need to seek some spiritual guidance. What was the light bulb that went off in your head for you? For me, it was homelessness. I was homeless with my kids in Atlanta and the whole bottom fell out. And mm. I knew that I had been struggling on and off with depression for years, unmanaged, totally afraid to really confront everything that led me to that point. Mm. But for a black man, I would imagine that that was triple in terms of being vulnerable enough to even say that. I noticed like when I really started needing help, when I started not talking to anybody in the house, 
like always staying to myself, always staying in my room. Mm -hmm. um, I would like almost never come out unless I needed to like take a shower or eat. And barely doing that. Yeah. <laughs> scared the hell out of me. Yeah. I think that's when I really noticed like, yo, I actually do need help mm -hmm. because I kept going down the dark path and I didn't want to do that. It, what did that look what, like? Yeah. What, what, what were the feelings? That, what were you feeling? Uh, I felt like I wasn't needed. Like, I felt like I wasn't needed, and I felt like maybe if I, like, went away, like, maybe everything would go, everything would be smooth, I wouldn't have to feel this pain Where were you going to go? I was thinking about killing myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I was, like, I was, like, maybe if I was gone, everything would go away, maybe I'd feel better. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we, we and we had these conversations, because I said to you, like, this is... This is some shit. Like, we need to really deal with this. Yeah. And, you know, I know you were angry and, you know, about the transition, but I didn't know it was this bad. And so you didn't even say it to me first. You said it to Brett. And Brett was like, yo, Gabe's in trouble. You know, were you relieved? Did you know he was going to talk to me? Were you relieved? Did you feel... Honestly, I really didn't know and kind of didn't care at the time. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, how I felt. Mm -hmm. That was, like, the night of the... Fourth of July thing, right? I came back and told him how I was feeling, and um, blown away. I was yeah. completely blown away. Mm -hmm. Can't even imagine. I'm I'm so glad that you did that. I, I really am really proud of you. That that took a lot. No problem. What were you dealing with that brought you to that point? Um, though, and to, when you were saying you you didn't feel um, needed. Well, because um, so I know you, you there was a big transition in terms of moving like from yeah. one state to another. At the time, I had who I thought were my friends. Mm -hmm. Well, I still do. I still have two people who I talk to. Mm -hmm. And I had who I thought were my friends. And I've been talking to this person since, like, since I first moved to that part of Georgia. Mm -hmm. We've been cool. And, like, for me to just leave him and, like, thinking, like, I'm never going to make any more friends because I don't know anybody up here. Mm -hmm. It was just, like, hard. And it was, like, a time where I was just thinking, like, about how I found out, like, my older sister was talking to my dad mm -hmm. and how I wasn't. It just made me feel some type of way. Mm -hmm. Like, you're talking to her and you never tried to reach Did out you? to me. Mm -hmm. That made me feel some type of way as well. Mm -hmm. And it made me, like realized more when my dad like tried to lie about it not my dad um his wife tried to lie about it mm -hmm. so yeah we've been trying to reach to you but we don't we don't have a good number you could have just said you didn't want to talk mm -hmm. um yeah that's like when i felt like wow do i i don't really deserve to get treated like that mm -hmm. no because i treat everybody um the way how i would want to be treated mm -hmm. i never get mad at anybody i don't I don't uh, get disrespectful. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't deserve to be treated like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where I just felt like, what if I? Would it make a difference if I really like disappeared? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody else want to share? What I'm coming up on twelve years of of surviving suicide. Mm -hmm. So July of, I can't count now. Two thousand and nine, mm -hmm. um, and. I, I, I would say the trigger is way after the fact mm -hmm. and then looking back, you know, mm -hmm. um, um, I mean, even um, even at the point of therapy and, 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 and talking to the therapist, one, I think one of the challenges 
for me for seeing that trigger is I take a lot of time to sit down with myself and process where I am, you know, and and, mm -hmm. and, and meditation and, and, and prayer and all of this stuff. So I'd be sitting in sessions and he's walking through possible scenarios. And I'm like, I've already had that conversation with myself like this. There's no need to go down that mm -hmm. avenue. But sure, if you want to, you know, we can we can do it. And then again, you know, you stop and you know, we're going to have to talk about this. And I remember when I was 13 years old, I remember when I was seven years old and it's like, I have been, I have suffered, I've dealt with anxiety ever since I was a child. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was an adult and going through a relationship, you know, and a family that was falling apart and mm -hmm. a, uh, uh, an engagement, you know, that, 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 that was falling apart and realizing I hadn't spoken to the person I'm engaged with for like six months. Cause they're just not talking anymore. And so that it, the anxiety is being triggered by numerous things mm -hmm. coming from, you know, from many different areas and my ability to, um, to find that space of balance or that space of happiness, you know, was just, was, was not there. Mm -hmm. But looking back, one thing, you know, one thing that I realized after the fact now is that no one wakes up one day and just says, you know, I don't want to be here anymore or I'm going to take my life. Like that does, that doesn't, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. Um, it's a yeah it's 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 a space that you get to and i won't speak for anybody else but what i'll say for me is that when you get to that point and that line is crossed mm -hmm. at least for me you're no longer in control mm -hmm. right oh, totally and so that like that's that space of, of mental illness versus health again mm -hmm. like that's an illness because I, I clearly remember watching myself for days literally being on the outside of my body and just watching myself and having conversations in my head and be like, this is not a good idea, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but being so in, but being in no mental control to stop it mm -hmm. at totally all. Like, you know, the, what I'm feeling physically and what have you just it's on, you're just on autopilot, mm -hmm. literally on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And then having moments of, you know, kind of is uh, like jumping in and, you know, feeling lucid and <laughs> like, okay, I'm here present enough to get me something to eat because mm -hmm. I'm starving right now. Mm -hmm. And then being in the middle of eating a meal and feeling like the weight of depression just come over me yes. so much. that it's, you know, I, I think I think of uh, the sunken people where the guy's on the sofa and he just drops down into the black mm -hmm. hole. Um, <laughs> it'll come to, you know, it'll come to me. But, yes. but literally, you know, like kind of looking through this hole, mm -hmm. like a camera hole with a really, really small aperture, seeing your life all the way down there, and you're supposed to be in control of it, yeah. but but you're not. You're not. At all. Yeah, so that was, you know, that's an obvious trigger. Mm -hmm. But then after the fact, also really zoning in on everyday triggers that, that kick the anxiety off, mm -hmm. that don't always have anything to do with depression mm -hmm. because depression is a place that you get to mm -hmm. unless we're talking about clinical depression where it's just that's your normal mm -hmm. so your health is not about trying to feel this way mm -hmm. your health is about recognizing this is where i am mm -hmm. this is who i am and i need to manage that so mm -hmm. like that's that's a part for me you know for for anxiety so i got to the point where you know like large crowds just didn't do it for me you know anymore going out to a club like it just you know going dancing it was it wasn't fun too many people around mm -hmm. being in a room and i have kids and i love my kids but like being in a room where if i'm trying to cook dinner and they're yeah. being kids and losing yeah. their mind would would trigger me and set me off. So now I'm yelling at everybody, and they're like, "Sound familiar?" It, it, it was like we was just playing. Like you know, I, I remember I remember I told my son one day, "You about to get a spanking for laughing." Like, does that make sense to you? You know, <laughs> and he shut up. 
And he walked away, and then I walked you away. Like, you know, I went to the bathroom. I just kind of sat there for a little bit. I cried. I came back out. I was like, all right, you know, let me let me drink some water. Let me, you know, take take my uh, amino acids and mm -hmm. stuff that. And I settled my nerves. I was like, hey, come here. So I just started tickling him. Then we started wrestling. I was like, let me, let me try to give you that back because that's not fair of you having to deal with what it is that I'm going through. And you're too young to even understand what that is. Mm -hmm. But those are... I guess those are, you know, smaller triggers after the, you know, yeah. ab ab after the major trigger. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really, really good because I think that a lot of times we pass off these things that have been, like Gabe said, it's been progressive all along. Mm -hmm. And we dismiss them because no, and I say this often, I've said it on a podcast, but I've said it to people who know me intimately. No one wants to stamp on their head that I live with a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to say that there's all of this stigma around it. But for me, my life was transformed through that diagnosis. And no, it wasn't, you know, I do have clinical depression. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's about informing my kids, sitting my kids down. And all of them were like, oh, this makes sense, right, you know, right, because right. I had those moments outward, shut up, like, mm -hmm. you know, noises. And I'm still very sensitive to overt noise, mm -hmm. you know. And so at the end of the day, it really is about being well-informed and understanding what your capacity is right. and being okay with that. And for me, it, it is informing everybody. When Brett and I first started dating, I, I gave it all. Listen, this is what's going on. I'm going to give you some information, but I also <laughs> want you to inform yourself right. so that, you know, I know, you know, we feeling each other and it's good, but this is real. And this right. is what right. I live with every day, mm -hmm. you know, and when I, and, and, and you might not know this, I, the other day, my job is, I'm, I got another job and I'll be working from home. So I need workspace. Mm -hmm. And what he said to me was, uh, so I'm going to set up downstairs. We do the podcast downstairs. So that's only an hour or so, but working eight hours. And he was like, I'm concerned there's no sunlight down there. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that like two days. I was like, oh, he gets it. He really understands. Mm -hmm. Like, I need light. I, right. need, I right. need greenery. I need things. They're going to continue to lift me all around in my environment mm -hmm. and so I had to really think about that and I'm still thinking about it like dude is that really something that I want to do because it's a trigger it might not be the first day the second day but no sunlight after a few days right, right. I, it's a trigger for me yeah. so for me is a little different right because I didn't identify with the things that were making me unhappy as being a mental issue, something identifiable. For me, the thing that was most apparent was not being able to settle my mind about decisions, mm -hmm. like second guessing myself, ha having well, what I've come to know as ruminations, where I lay down to, to go to sleep and my mind is like, mm -hmm. and it's maddening because I can't settle down. It was very difficult to settle my mind down. And I thought that, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm just a deliberate kind of thinking person. Like it even ties into being a Virgo, you know, mm -hmm. the Virgos mm -hmm. commonly are said to be overthinkers. Well, maybe this is just a Virgo thing, you know? During the course of going to a couple's therapist and revealing what was happening around issues that, that we were having as a couple. Just And I described my sleeping patterns and the therapist said, I, I think you have anxiety. It was like, oh, that's 
that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that is what that is because I can't. So the, and really um, going through it though, because you went through a whole physical response as you begin to understand it. That was something as your partner to watch you walk into the acceptance of it. One of the first really strong feelings was anger. Mm-hmm. So two things, like one, I was I was given uh, a, this gem to understand that I don't believe I have like clinical anxiety or that there's an imbalance that prevents me from being able to, to work within a quote unquote normal realm of deliberation. But what I do know is that the habit of mind has caused me to find comfort, to find some of my problem-solving skills. They lean on me responding to them in an anxious way. Gotcha. So like avoidance mm-hmm. or or poor time management, um, catastrophizing. These are the habits of mine that I've exercised. I didn't have the tools to kind of to dig deeper, mm-hmm. to understand, well, why do I feel like I can't make a decision that's good, that sound that I can stand on. Like, whose voice is this in my head mm-hmm. that has been talking to me and, and telling me these things? Mm-hmm. So the, the first feeling was was anger. Like, this freaking anxiety is taking years of happiness away from me. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was the first feeling. What I wanted to say, though, also is going through it with someone who understands, being able to talk to someone who understands mm-hmm. it has been extremely helpful. I know it would be more difficult if if I had continued to exist in a path, mainly one, say, like, guided by my family history, where there's no one in my family that I know that has dealt with, and I don't, you know, I don't know everyone's story, but it has, it's not something that has been spoken about in fact. Right. <laughs> in fact, it's something that is a big unknown for my family. So it would have been a lot more of a challenge to deal with it without someone who's supporting and understanding. You're right, right. Mm-hmm. No, that point that you made, like emotional avoidance mm-hmm. is something that I've, you know, it's like on the on the vision board, on the wall, <laughs> just like to, to think about it and meditate, you know, about it. That's that's a big part um, of, uh, I guess, a wrong way of dealing with anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just put you in the, put you in the space of like, I'm just not going to talk about that. And what I found interesting about um, realizing that that has been my way over like a specific period of time is I like arguing. Like I like a debate. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, <laughs> no, no, for real. But you know, like yeah. if I'm dating somebody and we can't express our completely opposite opinions, like you know, like really Robust, go at it, yes. but, but with a smile, and at the end of the day, be like, that was a good one. Like, yes, it I, just yes. it, it doesn't. It's not gonna work Work's for me. <laughs> Because I have strong opinions, you know, and as I often tell my kids, they'll be like, okay, are you yelling at us or are you speaking loud? Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm just speaking loud right now because I want to make sure you hear me. When mm-hmm. I'm yelling at you, that's a, you know, a completely different situation. But that being the case, again, with the emotional avoidance and the anxiety, what I know is that when it kicks in, you know, I've, like I've said it in, in recent relationships, I took the loss for, for, for two, three years. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I would look at a situation and be like, I don't feel like talking about well, I don't feel like going there because of, here's where the rumination comes in. The conversation could go this way. Mm-hmm. So I know about myself from a child that I can sit down and say, I need to talk to you about something next week. 
And for the entire week, I'm going to run through my head every possible thing that you can say to me <laughs> and every possible answer that I could that I could have. Mm -hmm. And then that day will come and I'll be like, oh, something will come. Yeah, it came up like I can't help <laughs> <laughs> you. Know, like that. <laughs> mm -mm. Oh, my God, I dated someone like that. <laughs> like, like there's yes. too much going on yes. for me to even... Nightmare for the person who's dating you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, yes. so I mean, again, like realizing this, looking at this. Now, the interesting thing for me is that, um, just you know, in the in the space of healing, where mourning has its place mm -hmm. and then anger has its place, mm -hmm. anger was actually extremely cathartic for me mm. because in many years, like I've always been the one to you know, like you know, uh, be the good guy, you know, take the upper road, engage the conversation with individuals, family, you know, relationships that, that wouldn't do that, that wouldn't mm -hmm. give that back. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would look and be like, no, like I have a reason to be mad, you know, mm -hmm. like at least in these spaces, like I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoyed being angry. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, I enjoyed it. And, it. and it kicked off right at like, you know, 40 and a half. Like, not even 41, 40 in six months, where, you know, part of my language is, you know, I got no Fs to give, and I have no problem with telling anyone that. And that was, like, a good five, six years. Like, just until I got to the point, I was like, I'm enjoying this way too much, and now let me see why I'm enjoying it. Like, you know, is it benefiting me? It's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, I'm not really, it takes a lot of work to stay angry mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work to stay angry at someone because because it's a it's a it's a defense mechanism mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. keeps you from healing absolutely so i'm like okay i'm 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 done being mad at you mm -hmm. or i'm done being mad at the situation mm -hmm. you know i'm not going to forget but but i i forgive the situation for what it was which is a control thing because i realized i can't control what your response is going to be anyway i couldn't control it back then can't control it now but that's probably just a part of a part of my makeup mm -hmm. and then i moved out of the anger um probably into back into mourning but it was all about forgiving myself mm -hmm. and not forgiving myself for anything that i did but simply forgiving myself for um for not being able to control that situation and feeling like i did something wrong by not being able to control that situation mm -hmm. that's hard yeah like i think you know like the, the, the our, yes. our line of conversation yes. and, and progression is kind of like that's a really really hard thing my experience hard thing to do where you get to a point and you're like okay i'm not looking at the rest of the world i'm only looking at myself mm -hmm. and then you feel like and this is that mental health and that mm -hmm. that that the the, the normalizing mm -hmm. Uh, societal definitions versus individual definitions mm -hmm. where you feel like you know you did something wrong because you weren't able to fit into what society says mm -hmm. is normal mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and that's yeah that's 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 a hard one to work yeah. you know <laughs> yeah i was about to say that's a whole other <laughs> yeah but but that is what i call a head trip mm -hmm. because society says that we're supposed to move in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And if you don't move in that way, then something's wrong with you. So hence the stigma, which is why people don't reach out for help, mm -hmm. why people don't have these conversations mm -hmm. in, in in real deep manners. You know, it's surface. Why Brett says like he can't even really 
think of or identify in his family how someone would have been able to relate to him. It doesn't mean that it wasn't there. Surely yeah, right. in all of our families it's it's it was there, but you know, we I come from a gen my family, I come from a family who didn't talk about stuff. Everything was a secret. Right. And so here I am with four kids you know, trying to manage life and have no direction. And so for me, I plunged myself into therapy mm -hmm. because I'm like, okay, I've done, I've done it all this way before. None of that shit worked. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what do I have to lose by trying this way? And it saved my life. It saved my life from three suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. It saved my life from, you know, just this downward spot. I was in a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I say to anyone, you know, having a diagnosis saved my life because I was able to compartmentalize it. Like, okay, this is what's going on. Let me find out what this is. Right, right. And once I did that, you know, thank God I worked in a field where things like the DSM-5 were in 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 my grasp and within my within my reach where I could read for myself. Okay, these are the clinical definitions. This is where right. the clinical definition is right. coming from. But also make that my own. How do I apply this to my life every day where I'm not repeating patterns, right. where I'm not you know, being triggered. How do I combat that? Mm -hmm. How do I learn how to live my life in totality and fully and freely and understand that these are some of the things that can impact me? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that those are conversations that we don't have because we get so fearful of what the what the stigma is and what people gonna think and oh God, they're gonna think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Yup, I'm all of that mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But what I am is a person who who is deeply deeply in love with me and so i'm going to make sure that i'm good and i'm going to show you how to treat me with this right 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 yeah let, letting go is a um letting go is a powerful tool yeah, um is it's a challenging tool like in, in the midst of it but it's a, it's a like to put to put it in a vernacular the ability to fall back like yeah man and you can fall back and you know and be in your own space and you home and you mad and you crying whatever and then you look at like two days later you're like wait a second yeah i'm really good like I'm if i would have stayed there <laughs> i'm good you know but even getting to that point of being comfortable just on the fallback it's helped me to go back in and enjoy things that i had let go for years like i had dj'd for years mm. i still had the setup all the records was here, you know, everything, you know, because um, even my approach, it's extremely emotional. Mm -hmm. No matter what I'm playing, rock, hip hop, opera, house music, there's, there's, there's always a message mm -hmm. that I'm conveying in that moment. And it's usually an emotional message. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's just feeling. So sometimes, you know, we would do things like, yo, what you playing today? I have no clue. I usually won't know until I play the first record, maybe the second record, maybe the fifth record, and then something clicks, and I'm like, oh, that's the avenue that I want to go down. Yeah. And and for, for a, a point in time, I couldn't DJ because it was so emotionally painful, mm -hmm. because it forced me to tap into things that I didn't want to do, mm -hmm. or I, that I didn't want to look at. Mm -hmm. What I also realized is that I hadn't cried for five years. Hadn't cried for five. Like, you know, maybe like, you know, little, your boy yeah. passes, but I mean, like, you know, like, like not a, a real, like deep. And even if I tried to, it'd be like, you know, and then everything would dry up, whether I was trying to or not. And, and funny, funny enough, talk about my kids. I was playing one day and the kids were running around. And so they're doing all of that. And I was like, no, I'm focusing in on the music. And my daughter, she comes and she's up. She's underneath my shirt dancing with me while I'm trying to DJ records, mm -hmm. you know? Once again, man, nope. I let her have her space and they went in the room and they chilled. And I think I played for about 
four hours and I probably cried like half of that time because every song was a trigger just to kind of let something out. Not, not just let it go. Like I, I, I let it happen. And after that, I was like, wow, I needed that. Kids like, you okay? Yeah. Uh, are you crying? Yeah, I'm crying. Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> Why are you crying? Because the music is nice. Okay. Can I have some candy? Yeah. No. Can I have some chips? Yes. Can I have some? If you ask me with another question, <laughs> you know, they walk up, yes. they don't know anything. Yes. I was like, okay, this is something I need to, so it started with DJing again, even if it was just for myself. Um, then it went to beginning to work out again, but I was mm -hmm. suffering from back spasms. I was 40 pounds overweight, mm -hmm. you know, so I had to start that just, just kind of losing, you know, losing weight and getting down to a mm -hmm. space where I could sleep. You know, because I could lay down in the bed and even if my mind wasn't going, I couldn't sleep because I was always in pain. Mm -hmm. Again, part of the depression, you know, part of the anxiety. And so, um, but a lot of that, to my point, was really about, it was about, it was about the fallback. It was yes. about letting go and not judging. Yes. Not making wrong or right what it was that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Just saying, I'm just going to feel this. Mm -hmm. And if the person, you know, people that are around don't understand, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have to tell you, know, I would tell my manager every once in a while, like, we'd be at work and she's talking. And this person was like, listen, can I talk to you real quick? <laughs> She's like, uh, sure. I'm like, I know that I've told you this before that I suffer from, from anxiety. There's too much stimulation going on for me right I now. You know, mm -hmm. and she didn't, you know, like she got it and then she didn't get it. And then I would work with earplugs in my ears. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, you can't do that because it doesn't look right. I was like, yeah, but y'all won't shut up. Right. So she gave me that. And then one day, you know, like I just kind of got up and I tapped her and went into the room. She was like, what's up? I'm facing this one. I just, I bawled. This was two years ago. Like I bawled crying. She's like, what's wrong? I said, absolutely nothing. I was like, but this is what a panic, this is what an anxiety attack looks like for me. Yeah. She was like, what do you need? Yeah. It's like, I don't need anything. So do you want me to call anybody? I was like, the only thing I need to do right now is say it out loud. It's like, you know, and I'm not going to call like my mom or any of my other people. Like one of my tools is if I'm feel if I don't feel good, if I call you and I say I don't feel good, it doesn't mean my stomach's bothering me. Right. Like it means that there is something going on yes. inside of me yes. that I can't manage, you know, or that I'm managing, but I fully recognize that I can't sit in this corner. Yes. Right. That's a part of it. That's also part of it's falling back on yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and putting it out there. And she was like, well, you want to talk? I said, yeah, we can just sit here and talk. I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was doing work. I was doing this. You know, that. some <laughs> video came across and boom. It's like, and I couldn't keep it down. Like there was nothing to help me. She just sat there with me for a while. And she started telling me about some housework. And I was like, okay, I'm able to focus on something different. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do you need? So we're going to go to the bathroom. We're going to go outside in the sunshine, mm -hmm. you know, for about 15 minutes and I'll be back. And I came back. She's like, you okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm good. I can make it through the rest of the yeah, day. Yeah, that vitamin D. And, and it was, yeah. mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. She's like, that's it. That was that's it. it. It's like that was I'm so, that is so dope that you are in an environment where you can do that. Mm. You know, and where you feel liberated enough to do that. You know, because everybody doesn't feel that freedom. You know, I know there there have been instances Gabriel has called me from school and just was like, you know, I, I you know, and we yeah. talk through it and mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, I don't know what's wrong. And you don't have to know right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Just go ahead and experience, you know, what you can what you can. And I know there's sometimes he feel like he can't talk to me. And I said, That's okay too. Mm -hmm. As long mm -hmm. as you feel like talking to someone, it does not have to be me. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, what advice would you give one one piece of advice would you give someone who is 17 and who is contemplating suicide or just com com feels completely disconnected 
from anything enjoyable, what what one piece of advice would you give them? Um, let it some sunlight, mm. or just try something that you really like doing, um, or try something you've never thought like you could never see yourself doing, mm -hmm. and just go for it, mm. or just go somewhere and just like completely just veg out. Remember this time I went, uh, my first time going to Times Square, and that was like, um, that was really peaceful for me because I was there by myself, just like there watching this, like watching everybody walk around and looking at the buildings. I was like, hmm, really peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I was like, got a glimpse of happiness that day mm -hmm. because I was by myself. I wasn't around anybody. I had my board with me. I was just, I was chilling. Um, so I suggest like go outside, go somewhere, maybe to the park or to the pond, some somewhere. So yeah. Either one of you guys, Kyle. Um, my one point is two points. Okay, that's fine <laughs> but, too. We'll but take they're, it. they're really, you know, we'll I don't it. even know if they're opposite sides of the same coin. They're kind of both on the same side of the same coin. The first thing that I would say is, um. I'm not sure which I would say first or second. So, but the first thing I would say is say it out loud, mm. right? If it's a thought, if it's something you're feeling, say it out loud. Mm -hmm. The reason why I say say it out loud is two, because you're not in control. Mm. But say if you that, say it out say loud, that, say that one more again. <laughs> but if you say it out loud, mm -hmm. you are in control. Mm -hmm. You are in control of that thought, even if that's all that you can muster up the strength to do. But once you go past that and you get silent, and I, I, you know, I only use my, myself as an example, you know, and you start moving in such a way that you don't want to say it out loud, you're not in control anymore. Mm -hmm. That I would call mental illness. Mm -hmm. Like your brain is telling you certain things and you're moving in a certain way that you can't, um, you can't counter, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. you can't give a, give a reaction to it. You're not in control. I'm not even going to tell you not to do it. I'm not going to tell you that this is wrong. I'm not going to tell you this is right. I'm going to say, say it out. Like, you need to be able to see it. It needs to be right in front of you. You you look and get this thing, right? Because, again, just me. I don't think that anyone wakes up and is like, yeah. this is what this I'm going to do. No. <laughs> so if you're looking at it and you're still like, okay, well, it's a conscious thought. And I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Okay, that's something different. You know, that's 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 something different than a mental illness in which mm -hmm. you're not in control. If you're in control and you're still saying, well, this is what it is I'm going to do. OK, well, then that's another podcast. Right. <laughs> that's another right. conversation. Right. right. Mm -hmm. B, one, one piece of advice you would give someone? Be open. Be open. I've been a person that has challenges with the unknown, but I've. In the past year and a half, I have different tools for dealing with that inability to deal with the unknown. And part of that is being open. And, you know, it relates to something you said, Kyle, about having answers to questions that you were asking yourself. Mm -hmm. But they were your answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, be, be open to the fact that... Um, I own it. <laughs> hey, I... Tell me about it. Be open to the fact that you actually, we actually don't have the answers. We we don't know the answers, and being open to other possibilities can open up new ways of being. And so I thank all three of you guys 
it is a beautiful thing to have a conversation and a conversation that is, um, I, I think it's a touchy conversation, mm -hmm. but it's such a place of vulnerability. And I, I just want you to know that I, I deeply, deeply, sincerely appreciate it. I am certain that someone is going to listen to this and think about how they're moving differently. That is the whole point of Authentically Secure. It, it has really nothing to do with me per se. It's I allow myself to be the, the vessel to spirit. And that's really what it really comes down to being able to touch another person you we may not ever see who listens to this or right. sees it right. and is impacted by it we probably won't that's just the honesty and and that's okay because um we're doing what we're, what we were led to do so i thank you for opening up your home uh, thank you for thank the you. invite yeah um and for opening up yourself to the conversation i thank you brad i love you so much and you already know Gabriel out there. I love you. Um, and so you've been listening to Authentically Secure, the podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard and what you are watching, please subscribe, um, leave a review, like, share, tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend. And listen, if you are experiencing um, anything that you heard in this conversation tonight, if you are experiencing loneliness or you're you're feeling disconnected from yourself and you feel like like you're at the end of your rope please reach out to someone please call the crisis hotline wherever that is wherever you're listening call a friend call someone tell people that you're not okay and know that it's okay to not be okay and i wish you wellness and peace <laughs> Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Available 24 hours in English and Spanish. Please dial 00273 8255. Help is here for you or someone you know.